All right, so um, this morning we're going to be transitioning, and um, last Sunday we um, has been referenced that Pastor Dave and I ta- called for um, a day or a, an act of consecration, and we looked, do you remember, at Joshua 5, and where um, Joshua called God's people to um, consecrate through circumcision of their males. And um, as Pastor Dave and I reflected a little bit more on that and wondered what was it like for those men to go to their women and and their sons and say, um, we need to be circumcised. And imagine them say, why? You know, because it's been many years that they've been wandering around, right? And um, anyway, that the men would have said, because we belong to God and we trust God. And this is his way. And just how that that required vulnerability and trust. And how when the Lord's calling us to consecrate ourselves, it's saying we believe in God and we belong to God and we trust him. And so now we're transitioning and beginning a new sermon series on the book of 1 Corinthians. So you can turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at chapter 1. Verses 1 to 9, and I'm going to read that um, in the middle of my sermon. All right, so first I want to just give a little bit of context about um, the church in Corinth and how their context and their culture, we see similarities with our church here at Gold Avenue Church and our culture. And so the um, church of Corinth, Corinth was the greatest city in ancient Greece. That was full of intellectual people, people who were thinkers. Um, they had wealth, but they also had moral corruption. Um, there was much drunkenness, and they've said that if there was any play going on and it was going to represent somebody from Corinth, that person, that actor in the play, would um, play that they were drunk. Um, it was just that common. And then there was also sexual immorality. There was um, worship of the Greek goddess Aphrodite, um, a goddess of love and lust and pleasure and passion. And um, one of the Greek scholars has says that the um, museum, the current museum, has a room dedicated to all these clay images of genitalia um, because they were... Um, asking for healing from all their venereal disease. And so this, is, this represents um, what they were suffering because of the sin of um, sexual immorality. Uh, Gordon Fee sums up Corinth by saying, all this evidence together suggests that Paul's Corinth was at once the New York, the Los Angeles, and the Las Vegas of the ancient world. All right. So now we come to Gold Avenue Church and our current culture. And so, um, all right, so Corinth was the greatest city of the ancient. I'm going to say I think Grand Rapids is pretty great, right? Like as far as West Michigan, Michigan goes, like it just can't get much better than Grand Rapids. Um, there's also a lot of intellect. Think about all of the thinkers and all the universities um, Grand Valley, Calvin, Davenport, Cornerstone, um, I'm, you know, the whole, like, uh, 
fart and medical. Like, I know they did one yesterday. Um, and there's some of us that are sad about that. But anyway, all right, I digress. But anyway, so there's thinkers in our area. There's also, if we drive around and we think about the whole entire world, there's much wealth in um, our area. There's also much sexual immorality, and we spent four hours um, last Sunday with our office bears talking about human sexuality and the way that there's such brokenness. Pornography is a multi-billionaire, multi-billion dollar industry. It hurts everyone affected. Um, our uh, confusion about human sexuality is um, referenced as far as, let me just give you some statistics. Michigan reportedly has 3,000 311,000 adults who identify as LGBTQ and 61,000 youth who identify in that community. We can look around and just walk around this one block and we'll see gay pride um, flags hanging on front porches. And so um, brokenness, confusion, but sin when acted on. And so... Also, our history of Grand Rapids, did you know that there were German settlers here in the 1830s? And um, they produced about a quarter of a million barrels of beer um, before the Prohibition. And now Grand Rapids is known as Beer City USA. And um, my doctor's office says that during this COVID season, that more and more and more people, many people have Um, leaned on drinking alcohol every day to cope. And so now they're struggling to try to imagine a life or a day without alcohol. And so alcohol or drunkenness, they had it in Corinth. Um, We have it here in Grand Rapids. And so the truth be told, there's 2,000 years of difference between the church in Corinth and the church here at Gold Avenue. But our contexts, unfortunately, have a lot of similarities because... You know, when sin entered the world, there's brokenness and the effects of it. God's people are always called to be set apart, to be called out, set apart as holy. They were in Corinth, the church in Corinth. We are being called out today to be a holy people. And yet the culture, the current culture and the culture there in Corinth influenced the church. And I want to just tell you some of the ways that they needed to grow in their um, consecration and their surrender to the Lord. They had problems in Corinth. All right, They had problems like this, disunity and divided loyalties. They resisted sharing the gospel out of fear of looking foolish. They had pride and boasting about their roles. They had judging and um, dishonoring spiritual authority. There were fights and lawsuits. Among the believers in the church, they had other relationship issues. They failed to um, recognize the gift of singleness and celibacy in the kingdom of God. Um, They rebelled against authority. There were spiritual gift problems. And so in this series, we're going to spend four weeks on spiritual gifts. All right. Um, As part of this series, They also um, failed to understand the gospel and unbelief of key doctrines. And then there was just selfishness and a failure to be generous. And so 
there were a number of problems. Would you agree I just listed 11 problems? And so how does the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, influence Paul to start addressing the church in Corinth? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 9 now. This is how he addresses and speaks to and begins to speak to the church that has all these problems. Paul called an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sas Oh, I should have practiced this. So, you know, we're just going to call him Brother S. <laughs> to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's this grace that God, first of all, calls leaders, Paul and Brother S., who's going to remind God's people of their calling and their God's grace and God's faithfulness. God calls Paul as a leader, as an apostle. It means a special ambassador. All right, We just installed a couple of leaders. They're called deacons. They're going to function in the role of deacon. Paul is called by God to be a special ambassador to them. He's given authority and his role directly from God. Paul's history with the church, he established that church in Corinth. He um, writes a first letter that got lost, but it's referenced in Acts 19. Then he writes this one, which we call 1 Corinthians, but it's actually his second letter. And he's responding to reports that he had received from Chloe's household about disturbances. And he'd also maybe received a delegation from Corinth that had come to talk to him about some of the problems in the church. Thankfully, because of all this knowledge that Paul had of this church, this church in Corinth is actually the church that we know the most about. It's written the most about in the whole of New Testament. Which church did the Lord want us to know about? He wanted us to look at the church in Corinth to understand this role of the church. Now, as Paul started to speak to them, did you notice that he did not shame or condemn them? And as I thought about this, I thought about watching um, parents. If you go to any of the grocery stores or you know department stores around and you watch parents interacting with their kids, I want to think about two different ways that parents might interact with them. One is there's a a really loud and a rough parent that's shaming a child and maybe even slapping them. 
and yelling, I should have never brought you with me. I should have left you back at home. Put that back. And then the kid startled and drops it, and then it breaks, and then, oh, I can't take you anywhere. Have you ever witnessed something similar? Maybe even it was us with our kids. (laughs) All right, unfortunately. Then there's this other scenario that you watch, and you sometimes see this. A very patient but kind, firm parent that's correcting and trying to teach a child. And they would maybe say something like this. Remember, Dad loves you. And we talked before we came to the store that we're going to look with our eyes, but we're not going to touch with our hands. I see that's really neat. But you need to give it to me, and we're going to put it back on the shelf now. That's a different kind of parenting style. Well, Paul starts where all wise Christian parents and church leaders should start by reminding them of their belovedness, their calledness, their identity. Paul reminds them of their calling to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord, their Lord and ours. He's saying, you dear ones are the ecclesia. You're the assembly. You're the church. You've been called. You're loved. You're part of God's family. You belong. And so he, he calls them. He reminds them of their calling. He reminds them that they're called holy. He says, in literally, it says, called his holy people. And so he calls you holy, and he also calls you to be holy. You're holy because of your connection with God and his son Jesus. The holy land is holy because God chose it as holy. The holy temple is holy because God chose to live there. We're his holy people because God chooses to take up residence in us. And he reminds them, you're a called people. You're a holy people. And you're not an island to yourself. There's a group of people, a community, that God's called, and he's their Lord and our Lord. And so he points out that the source of their unity is their shared calling. All right. Paul reminds them of their calling. He also reminds them of God's grace. Paul greets them with grace in these words in verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a really common Greek um, greeting. Like it would be like, hey, how are you? They would say grace. And what it means is favor. And then peace was a very common Jewish greeting, and it was shalom. And so together, Paul is speaking to a multi-ethnic, multi-culture church, and he puts the Greek and the Jewish together. And he says, basically, what he's saying is, may God the Father and Jesus Christ bestow favor on you and bring shalom in every area of your life and church. Isn't that a beautiful greeting? Bring favor and shalom, set everything right among you. Paul gives thanks for God's grace towards the Corinth church in verses 4 to 7. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. 
For in him you've been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, do not la- therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I want to go through some of these words to help you understand the richness of what he's saying. He thanks God for saving grace in verse 4. Jesus is the given name that the son of Mary and the adopted son of Joseph was given in the Greek. And it's the Greek pronunciation of Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And then Christ is the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah or anointed one. And so this one that's been prophesied to be the deliverer. And so he thanks God for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that is salvation. He says, you've been enriched in every way. And that enriched means to be more than enough to meet one's needs and desires in Christ. The same root word is um, used for the word plutocrat, which means you're so wealthy that they can't even figure out how much you really own. Because your wealth is accumulating so fast that nobody can ever really quite figure out how wealthy you really are. And he's saying, you're... Your relationship in Jesus makes you that wealthy. You're that enriched. And they've been made rich the minute they were born again and placed in Christ. And that verb tense is a continuous, ongoing action. And so they're continually being enriched. And they're being enriched by all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. And I'm giving you some information that really is going to set a foundation that later we'll come back to when we talk about gifts. But remember that the culture had all these thinkers and the intellects, and he's saying that is nothing compared to supernatural wisdom and supernatural knowledge that I give you in the church. And so by the Holy Spirit, they have these gifts, and these gifts are being referenced, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. The more these gifts operate in the church, the richer we become. That is how we are continually enriched. That's how they were continually enriched. And it's a confirmation that the living Lord is among them. All right? So when one of these testimonies, one of these gifts gets exhibited and used then all of a sudden it's like the living Lord is among us. And so there's this ongoing encouragement and strengthening. Um, Nancy got up and really that was a prophetic encouragement that she was giving us. She was taking scripture, talking about how it applied, and um, there was an encouragement that came, right? We're being continually enriched as we see gifts given and utilized. All right. I want to read this um, quote from Rick Renner. He says, God never intended for your salvation to exist only on an intellectual level. He gave the Holy Spirit to the church to bring the overflowing, abundant life of Jesus Christ right into the life of his people. There's a whole level of understanding who he is and how he operates 
that cannot be comprehended by observing and participating that can only be comprehended by participating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right? So um, when we start to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, suddenly it changes from just an intellectual assent that Jesus is Lord to actually he really is king and he knows what you need right now. Some of you need to just um, receive a word like fear not. You're feeling nervous about the future. You Maybe you're even feeling nervous about um, consecrating yourself. Like, what, what might God ask of me? I was thinking about that on the drive down here. Like, we make this so much harder when we um, are thinking about consecrating. Well, what might God ask to cut out of my life? And suddenly, we're actually like... Um, I was thinking about labor um, and how that you're supposed to relax in labor and your body will know how to take care of itself to birth a baby. But when you get all tense, you actually work against the process. When we get all tense and we're trying to hang on to control of our lives, we work against the very process that God wants to naturally bring through us and through our giftedness as we serve him. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. All right. Well, where am I now? <clears throat> Paul was always thankful to God because he says, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. And so what it's saying is when it comes to spiritual gifts, the church in Corinth is second to none. And Paul isn't like discouraging that. He's actually celebrating. He's thankful for the giftedness. But just like all good gifts, we need to learn and grow up into them. And so he's going to correct and he's going to help them learn how to use them. But he's not saying, oh, let's skip that. Let's throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, he's saying, and I'm going to teach you about that. But he's always, always thankful for the gifts. We are always, always thankful for the gifts that you bring to this church, church family. Every one of you has been gifted in different ways, and we always give thanks for your gifts. When Paul looked at the church in Corinth, he could name these strong points. The people were proclaiming Jesus. They know about Jesus. There's supernatural gifts of God among them, and they're really looking forward to Jesus' return. Whatever problems they had, these were some really impressive points. And he wants to make those clear. And when I look at this church, I feel like we represent much of those strong points that he saw, that Paul saw in the church in Corinth. We see today in you. You proclaim Jesus. We're hearing testimonies of this. Thank you for those testimonies. You're knowing about Jesus, not just an intellectual, but you're experientially growing in this relationship with him as Lord and King of your life you're exhibiting spiritual gifts and you're going to you're eager for them and we are looking forward to Jesus return aren't we yes yeah all right paul um reminds them of god's faithfulness this is my third point paul reminds them of god's faithfulness he says he will keep you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our lord jesus christ God is faithful, he who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God will keep the church members firm to the end. His Holy Spirit is inside them, working. 
And it's such an encouragement, isn't it? When we, as you were saying, you're praying for your cousin, right? And if they've got a relationship with the Lord, you can, you keep praying, but you also can have a peace that he is faithful. He will keep them firm to the end. God's faithfulness to his covenant made in um, Jesus' blood, he sees us as blameless. If you're going to get corrected, um, you don't want to start out like with the parent that's going, Oh, you're rotten. I should have never brought you to the store with me. Sorry to look at you. I'll just go over here. You're rotten. Yeah, I should have never brought you to the store with me. You want to hear the love and then the correction. What we hear in Paul is the love that God's giving, and he's going to help them grow up. He's going to help them. Consecration is really, it's an act, and it's also a process. And um, Pastor Dave, Pastor Jaleesa, the leaders of this church, we really feel like the Lord's calling us not just to an act, a one-time prayer of consecration, but also a daily walking out of like trusting this good God who's faithful, who gifts us, and he'll help us grow up into our calling. And he'll help us not take on the culture of the world, but actually make, be a light and be a hope and bring transformation, we believe. West Michigan, we're not the only church in West Michigan that's thinking about this. I opened my email this morning to see a prayer um, note from Randy Heckman. Do you remember City Fest and the ongoing prayer meetings that we had for the revival and the renewal in our city? Well, he sent out a prayer note this morning. And it was all about surrender. It's like, oh man, isn't that good? The Holy Spirit is calling many of us to be thinking about surrendering the control of our lives completely to Christ. And he said that there was this quote from this book, um, Roy Hessian. People imagine that dying to self makes one miserable. But it's just the opposite. It's the refusal to die to self that makes one miserable. So maybe did you, if you didn't get this handout last week, there's samples of that prayer of consecration, and we're asking everybody to pray that prayer. Maybe some of you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but maybe some of you, this has been really hard to think about giving over control. But actually, you're going to be miserable until you don't. Because um, when you do, you're giving over control to the one who loves you. That's going to help you be faithful to the end. And actually, he knows how he's designed you and how you're going to flourish. So many times I can think about how I resisted God's call, how I resisted surrendering control in some way. I was that kid that in high school when I stood up in speech class, I hyperventilated. They had to give me a paper bag I wanted to throw up in the trash can. I was so scared to be in front of people. And this idea of being called to be a pastor that speaks in front of people. And yet the Lord knows how we're designed and what gifts he's put in us. And if we'll surrender, he'll somehow give us the courage and the strength and the help to do what he's asked us to do. The second thing that he, Randy noticed in his um, email is that we can start our days surrendered to the Lord 
But pretty soon throughout our day, we can kind of forget about him. And pretty soon we're kind of just functioning independently. By the end of our day, we're kind of independent. Have any of you ever noticed that in your life? Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea of um, being consecrated, we want to be surrendered. And we also want to um, be mindful that he's with us all the time. And so I'm trying to sum this up quickly. But if you've prayed the prayer of consecration or written your own, Mark has set up this nice station up here. You can put your name on a slip of paper that just indicates, I've prayed and surrendered the control of my life in every area of my life, the Lord helping me to him. I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who lives, but Christ. I want Christ to live fully through me. Put your name on it. There's some little push pins. Put it up on the on the cork board here. We want to do this individually, but we also want to celebrate this publicly and corporately. And so that's why we're having this opportunity. There's also bookmarks that we've made, and there's two different styles. So if you like kind of the burgundy, great. If you like the blue and yellow, beautiful. The exact same words, so pick one. But on the front, it's a prayer. Every morning we're going to pray a prayer of consecration, and it's not just what I'm going to do to lay down my control, but it's also saying, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh so that I can walk in the will of God today. And then in the evening, there's some helps to just spend some time in prayer with the Lord. How did I see you in my day? Where did I maybe fall short of noticing you? And so this is morning and evening, trying to give us some helps in prayer. You're not doing the discipleship curriculum maybe right now, but how can we be practicing together, walking with the Lord and surrender to him And so you can pick these up on the back table on the way out. And like I said, this is not two different versions. It's the exact same wording on both. Friends, we believe God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit and do a mighty work in West Michigan and beyond. And it's going to start not in our own good efforts, but in dying to ourselves and rising in new life to him. Amen. And so let's pray. As the worship team comes forward, Lord, thank you that you are faithful and that you'll keep us firm to the end. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not be afraid of releasing control of our lives. But actually, Lord, would you forgive us for that pride in thinking that we know better than you how we're supposed to live. And so, Lord, as we seek to be obedient, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and help us walk. Um, in a surrendered life to you, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.